Welcome. Thanks for tuning in. So glad that you are with us here today on our Linden Road online experience. Grateful you found time. And if this is your first time, we want to say a special welcome to you and would invite you to click on the digital connection card or leave a comment in the chat. Or if you're watching this on YouTube, just scroll down to the bottom and you'll find a link there to the digital connection card. And we'd just love to connect with you. And if there's a way that we could pray for you and if there's a question you might have, together you can submit it there and we'll be happy to connect. And again, we, we hope it's not your last time. And if this is your spiritual home, we say welcome to you also and are grateful too. And again, would invite you to use those same connection devices, you know, the d digital connection card, the comment in the chat, or scroll down here on YouTube if you're watching this later in the week. And just let us know what we need to know here in the building. But again, we're grateful that you're here with us today. As we gather here online, a couple things we want to share. One is the Jericho Wall. There's another panel done here. Here's a quick picture. And we will be dedicating that on Thursday at 11 a.m., we're excited to be able to have the community come together. It's going to be a, a beautiful morning of celebration and dedication, and there's still some things that need to be done. We ran into a little bit of a complication with the building permit for the pavilion. That is being worked on, and we hope to have it completed uh, by the middle of September. And it'll give us a chance to have another celebration there as that comes into fruition. It's going to be an amazing space that will enhance what is there. That will create a place for people to connect as they visit the wall. And if you'd like to know more about the Jericho Wall, you can check it out at the website, jerichowall.info. You could also make a gift if you'd like to become a stakeholder. But there's some blog posts there. We've got a lot of press here in the last couple weeks. Grateful it's bringing awareness to this plight of those that have lost their life to addiction, but then also the hope and the potential that comes through recovery. As we begin the school year, some have already leaned into uh, starting last week and some have leaned into this week and, and there's no, others I know that will be gathering starting a uh, week after next, after Labor Day. But in particular, we want to uh, partner with one of our teachers here in the building, uh, Linda Sheldon. She's at uh, the Malabar School and there at the school they have the ability for the kids to earn points for various things and it's mostly focused on behavior. But they also can get points for turning their work in on time or some team building exercises. And they have a store where the kids can exchange their points for uh, games and candy and stuff. But in particular, this year they want to take it up a notch and we want to help them in that. They also want to add a needs store. And we also partnered with them last year, but this is in a more particular way where they're going to give away to students items that the kids need, not just what they want. They want to give the students the opportunity to buy these so it doesn't feel like they're just being given a handout. And the items we're looking for and where you could help, there's a link here in the worship notes where you can make a gift online. And in the memo part, please just mark for the needs store. And the things that we're looking to buy, and we'll do it on your behalf, is toilet paper, body soap, uh, paper towels, uh, hairbrushes, feminine products, shampoo and conditioner, dish soap, and even socks and underwear. We are happy to do the shopping for you. And so if you'd like to make a gift towards that, that'd be great. You can also drop a check in the mail to Linden Road Presbyterian, 160 South Linden, Mansfield, Ohio, 44906. We want to love our neighbors well, and this is a practical way of partnering with one of our teachers here to make a difference in the lives of those that are in need. 
And so I'm grateful that this program exists because it's not just simply a handout, but it's a way to bless the students and let them earn the opportunity for the needs that they may have and then receive the blessing of those things that they may need. So I hope you can be part of that. And this Sunday, as we think about our schools starting back up, we want to borrow some encouragement from our friends at the momsandprayer.org. Uh, this is a Bless Our Schools Sunday, or Boss Sunday, where churches all over the country, and even all over the world, are, are gathering today online and in person. And as part of our worship experience, we want to pray a particular blessing on all that the schools offer. We want to pray for the teachers and the students, the administrators, and so let's just spend some time here. On this day, churches around the globe unite to pray for students, educators, and schools. For our students to be guided, kept, and protected by the Lord. For students to overflow with God's love and have a passion to live out their faith. educators to be filled with wisdom, strength, and endurance. That they would teach with excellence and compassion. For God's presence to be on every school campus. For our schools to be a place where revival and spiritual awakening happen again. On this day around the globe, the church unites. On behalf of students, educators, and schools. continuing our series called Unhindered. We've been looking at this last word of, from the book of Acts. Again, Dr. Luke says to us, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. We know this much about Jesus, right? That in his three years of public ministry, that Jesus did build an amazing resume of doing miraculous things healings and and just the way he showed up in people's lives and and we know that wherever he went more often than not there was a display of power that came with him and as we look at the gospels we know that in john's gospel in particular he says that if every one of them were written down i suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written so obviously we only get a little bit of what Jesus did while he was on the earth. But we know this much, right? There are some miracles that do stand out uh, more than others. And those are the ones that the gospel writers uh, sort of hone in on a little bit more. They pay a little more attention to it. And of these miracles, some actually stand out more. And the truth is they speak to people of all times that we can learn from those moments even today as we look at this. Now, one of the things that's been very impactful in this season, being able to leverage all sorts of technology, right? The storytelling is 
there is a show on television or on, on the web called The Chosen. And The Chosen has allowed us to, to see in storytelling form and actually portraying the, the various miracles that Jesus did. And it's amazingly beautiful. But today I want to lean into one particular story. It comes out of season three. And so let's check this out. the question who touched me 
Master, the crowds are pressing in all around you like this, and you're asking who touched you? They all have. Someone touched me. I felt that power went out of me. Whoever touched me, come forward. Teacher. It was me. Just the fringe of your garment, only the edge. I promise, you are not unclean. Why my garment? I'm sorry. I, I know I should have asked. But if, if you touched me, it would make you ritually unclean according to the law. I, I was sick. I was sick for 12 years. I bled and, and, and no one could stop it. But, but I believed if I could just touch a piece of your garment. And I was right. I was right. Thank you. Who told you I could heal? A man from the pool. And he was right. The blood has ceased. My daughter. I'm no one's daughter anymore. Look up. Yes, you are. Daughter. It wasn't my piece of clothing that healed you. But it was instant. I felt it right away. I know. But it wasn't this. It was your faith. Teacher, she was bleeding so long, we can take her. She is clean. <laughs> you have blessed me today. And I know. My daughter, I know it has been a fight for you for so long. You must be exhausted. Go now in peace. Your faith has made you well. I wish I could stay here longer. But I have business to attend to. Someone else has faith like yours. I'm so glad that we found each other. Right? When we see this story, and we've, we've heard it so many times, and to see it played out, and to see it played out visually, I think, just adds that much more to it. Now, I know there's creative license, and so there's a lot of gaps that they fill in. But I just love the character of Jesus and how he reacts, and we can feel the emotion. And yes, we know that it's the, this particular miracle is one that speaks to people of all times. As much as it did then, it does to us now as we, we see it unfold. 
Now, we know that this woman's story is told in more than just one gospel. It's in other gospels. And while we know we just watched the miracle unfold, I want us to hear it too from our friend, Dr. Luke. And so here's the story that Luke told in Luke chapter 8, beginning with verse 40. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Again, when we see this and hear it and are reminded of this story, we see this miracle that speaks to all people at all times. And so the big question for us today is, what does it say to us today? How does it impact us? Well, that's what I want to talk about because this whole series that we've been leaning into Unhindered is to understand that even in this season with all sorts of craziness, as we move back from a global lockdown and we lean into what God has for us, that we also know that the world's a much different place. And we know that there are people who are within the shadows of our building and who we come in contact with every day who need to know that God loves them and that God has a relationship for them that he wants and invites them into that. And truthfully, and this is a point for the today, is there are more people than we can possibly imagine who are living desperately just at the edges of the world, just like that woman was, or even how Jairus was. In both cases, you have trauma, and I find it, even as I read it again today, Jairus's daughter was 12 years old, and here we have a woman who's had this issue of of 12 years of where she has felt disconnected. 12 years is a long time. 12 years, this woman had suffered with an issue of bleeding. And we know Luke, who is a doctor, right? He himself points out that no one could heal her. And even some manuscripts of this portion of Luke's gospel even include a note that the woman had exhausted all of her money on medical direction and care. So she really is at a place of desperation. And the truth is, it wasn't just 12 years of suffering from an issue of bleeding, that this was 12 years of her suffering through the issue of bleeding. So we can only imagine of just all the weight of that that's upon her and how she must feel. And when we see it played out through The Chosen, this beautiful video storytelling element, we know this much, right? That due to Jewish law, and the strict interpretations of Jewish law, this woman would have been considered unclean for 12 years. And you saw that in the video. That means no touching or no being touched. That means no out and about living life, that she was left to the edges of society. That means no corporate worship, 
That means no gathering in the city. It means all sorts of difficulties for her, right? It means that she couldn't go to temple or couldn't go to the synagogue to be in community. And I think there's a lot of similarities in this current world of ours where people even now are trying to better understand a sense of belonging after having been in a time of lockdown, in a time of separation, and even things that have come to us through our cultural conversations, the messiness on the issue of race and the, the issue of gender and identity and the issues around the political systems. It's all upside down. And so for 12 years, this woman in particular, she has been pushed to the edges at all levels, uh, physically, socially, emotionally, psychologically, and what's worst of all is spiritually. Now, what's interesting is that she is the focal point of the story today in Luke's Gospel. I want us to think about as we watch the video, the crowds in the scene, and then even Luke's note on how the crowds were so large that they almost, Luke tells us, crushed Jesus. So what we need to say here is this woman in this particular story is the, not the only one who is desperately living at the edges. She is, as we read here and as we saw it played out, one of too many to count, just all the craziness that's there. The truth is there are more people than we could possibly imagine who are living at the edges of this world that we're in, people who are uncertain about all sorts of things. And that's where the gospel that goes out unhindered should encourage us. And part of what we've been talking in these last recent weeks is how do we, as God's people, share the story of the hope that comes in knowing who Jesus is. And as we think about it, in the day that Jesus lived, there were many more people living desperately at the edges of this world than many people could have known or even imagined. And yet, I, I want to tie it into our world today because I think the same thing is true. And yet, despite our inability to know all who live just at the edges, it is a responsibility that we have to keep in mind those who we do know are living at the edges. And so let's think about that for a moment. Who are the people groups in our world who are living desperately just at the edges? Who are the people groups in our nation? Who are the people group in our neighborhoods? Even last week, there was an interesting episode here at the church. As I was working at home on Saturday, I got a phone call from our neighbor who said his son called him because he was concerned that there was a car that was doing donuts here in the church parking lot. And it just seemed as though something wasn't quite right and wanted to know what he thought we should do. And I said, well, I would call the police. Uh, as it turns out, they didn't come back. And then when I came on Sunday morning uh, to have worship here in the building, I noticed that there was a car, a white car that was parked here that I didn't recognize. And then I also noticed I saw where black marks were on the parking lot from the gentleman doing the donuts with his car. But then I also noticed that there were all sorts of pieces of paper strewn across the parking lot. And so as I began to gather those up, I realized that these were papers of importance and including one was a birth certificate that was signed and certified. So it was official document. And then I found other official documents and they were laying all over the parking lot, which just seemed odd. And so when Dan Feldman got here, 
a few moments later, we decided that we should uh, call the police department and have them come and take possession of these important papers and see uh, what was up with them, why they were here and uh, out of somebody's possession. And so one thing led to another, and, and the police officer arrived just as we began worship and, and, and met with them and gave them the papers. But while they were here, we said, could you just check out this car that is uh, sitting here that we don't know who it belongs to? Well, then as they ran the plate, sure enough, it came back that it had been stolen. And it had been stolen actually a day before from the hospital that's just about a half mile away. And it's kind of crazy. And so then they were able to contact the family and the woman who owned the car came with her husband and they were able to uh, collect the car, although the car had been damaged, uh, the steering wheel, and so they had to have it towed because of what the vandals had done. I think about that incident. And then we come to find out uh, later in the week that the black car that was doing the donuts, it itself had been stolen uh, from Shelby, which is a community north of here. And so uh, the papers that had been found actually belonged to the gentleman who owned the car. And fortunately, because of just all the connections that took place there, he got his car back. Now, it's crazy in in this world that we live in. And that's just one story that's like, you really wonder what's going on there. What poses people to do those kinds of things? And I think it comes out of desperation. It comes out of all sorts of brokenness, if you will. And then when we think about, I think about the young man who was driving the car, or I think about even the family who had the car stolen. So for me, when I think about the people in our neighborhood, those individuals come to mind. So think about in your own relationships, who comes to mind? Who comes to mind as someone who is living on the edge? maybe as desperate as this woman was. But here's what we know based on scripture and even on this story this morning of the the woman with the issue of bleeding is that those that live on the edge are always front and center for God. You see, as we look at this, just the edge, right, where this woman found herself, it's what the woman was living. She was at the edge of the world and she keeps telling herself what she's convinced that if she can just even touch just the edge of Jesus's cloak just even one thread she'll be healed it'll all be taken care of and as that scene so poignantly shows us and then even as we read the text what happens well her faith is honored right that this woman who is living at the edges she touches just the edge of Jesus's garment and she is, as the story tells us, healed immediately. Now think about this. This is so powerful. And I know we've looked at this story before, but it, it, it bears repeating, right? I mean, here we have a woman who has had 12 years worth of physical and social and emotional, psychological, and even spiritual suffering And then just like that, she is healed immediately. That is crazy. It's beautiful and crazy at the same time, right? And then if that's not beautiful enough, there's even a more beautiful moment that happens after her healing. And that's when Jesus calls her daughter. And what's interesting here is this is the only place in the Gospels where Jesus uses the word daughter. So we can't miss this. 
this is something of intimacy that is so beautiful that we can't even overstate it. She was never just at the edges for God, that she was ever and always front and center, even during those 12 years of physical and social and emotional and psychological and spiritual suffering. And then for 12 years, it's amazing because the stage was set for her healing by the Father through Jesus, the Son, as he made his way past her. And if we put the story in context, this happened on the way that Jesus was going from here to there. He was actually headed to Jairus' house. Now that's crazy. But it reminds us, right, that those who are living at the edge, that they are always in God's mind and in his economy. And that is truthful for you and it's truthful for me. And as we build on this and we think about this, we know that it is true that those who are living at the edges of the world, that they are front and center for God, it is also hard for them to see. And that should encourage us. Now, what is the evidence of their being front and center for God, even in the midst of physical and social and emotional and psychological and spiritual suffering? I mean, think about it. What is the evidence of each person living that's on the edge? That they're uh, not just a, a mere person, but that they are seen as a son or a daughter. Well, it has to do with us, right? Because those that are desperate living at the edges, they should also be front and center for us. And so what we can see here from this story, right, is the fact that the crowds were so large that they almost crushed Jesus, Luke tells us, which basically indicates that he was known, that Jesus's reputation preceded him. And that those who are desperately living in that brokenness, that they knew he was able to heal. And so they came his way by the hundreds. And, and what we take away from this scene from the chosen is the great lengths to which the normally front and center people would go to keep those at the edges, to keep them away. You remember we heard one man say, she's unclean, pointing to her emphatically and even in sort of a condescending way. And anyone who heard his cries would join in to assure she would never find her way to the one who could heal her. But as we've already said, the woman is drawn front and center by Jesus. And the intimacy of that moment, what does it do? Well, it shows us that she's always been front and center with him. And when everything unfolds there in this story, in this miracle, as we take it together, here's a truth that comes out that those who are desperately living at the edges will always be front and center to those who follow Jesus. That no one should be left at the edges to suffer alone physically or socially or emotionally, psychologically and spiritually. No one. Every man and woman and child should be pulled from the edges where they live desperately and made front and center. That they may find hope that they may find healing. It is true that those who are living desperately just at the edges of this world, who are front and center for God, that they are often not front and center for those who follow Jesus. And that's the disconnect. So let me ask this question. What might it look like for the church, for us, to hold those who are at the edges as front and center instead? And I think that's the, what we are trying to do as a church today. Let's think back to the people groups that came to mind for you earlier, right? 
How can the church, how can Linden Road, and how can other churches in our community, capital C, offer those who are broken and disconnected things in tangible ways that can bring about healing? That Again, that's why we want to partner with our friend Linda Sheldon as she teaches at Malabar for this needs store. And again, would invite your participation because it is a practical way of loving our neighbors well. Or why we've been so involved with the Jericho Wall because we want to create a connection to those that see themselves at the edges. So again, practically, we can make the investment, and there's a link here to the worship notes to help Linda at the needs store at Malabar. But there's also a larger way that I want us to think about. Our friends at Dare to Share have come up with a a practical tool. We talked about it a couple weeks ago with the Life in Six Words application that you can use on your phone to help build gospel kinds of conversations with those that are at the edges that are looking uh, for hope and for healing. And one of the ways they encourage us to do this is what they call the cause circle. And, and it works this way. It is about prayer and care and then sharing. And as we say, it begins with prayer. It always starts with prayer. And we know that Jesus often took time away so he could be alone with his father to pray. And Jesus knew that it was important to talk to God about people before he talked to people about God. And the same thing is true for us. When we start by praying for those people we are seeking to reach with the gospel, what it does is it prepares their hearts to hear the good news. And then the next step is to care. And then the next step is to care. Jesus also modeled how important it is to care for people's needs. We we know that Jesus healed, he fed the hungry, and he helped the hurting. That he cared for the whole person, not just their spiritual needs, And in the same way, we must love those we are trying to reach. And we do this by listening. We listen to them and we care for them. That these aren't just projects, but these are our people. After prayer and care, we must lovingly share the gospel message clearly and confidently. And when we invite someone to put their faith in Jesus, we're inviting them to make the biggest and best decision of their entire lives. And what that does is it offers a restored relationship with God. Because it is the best, absolute best news on the planet. So when we have conversations with people, we need to be bold and encourage them to put their faith in Jesus. Now the truth is, as we do share the gospel, there are going to be moments where people may say no or not now. And so what we do is we go back to this prayer, care, share process. We, and if they say yes, then we celebrate it. And then we get them plugged in. And it's a beautiful thing to see happen. And so what I want you to do right now, take a moment and think about three people that are people living at the edges, just that need to be connected, and to write their names down and to make a commitment in the week ahead to pray for them specifically on how God would use your friendship and relationship to connect them to the larger story. So let's pray. God, we are grateful for this truth, and I pray for each of us as we think about those that are in our circles of influence, those that we know need to know about the story. Give us boldness to share all that you have offered uh, through Jesus. And Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice, 
And we pray your blessing through the Holy Spirit to encourage us in the conversations we need to have. We thank you for loving us and we pray your strength through the Holy Spirit in all things. And we say amen.